We did Empok Nor in, in the cards last time. Yeah, I did Empok yes. Nor. Yeah. And I thought I did In the cards. In the cards. Well, because I kept saying awesome. Giger or Geiger. It I kept saying matter. Doesn't matter. I'll do it. Because <laughs> you were crying, oh, I didn't think it was my time to do it. I don't I care. Doing it. They're making me do it. And I, now I'm not going to read any letters. <laughs> that was quite literally the opposite of how I did it. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I was just exactly. not kidding. I think that was a recording <laughs> of you. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Roll the tape back. Roll the tape back. <laughs> Hold on, roll the tape back. <laughs> Shut up, Rock! I love presenting Andy as a whiner. <laughs> as long as I'm he's sure not she... Terry Thomas. I say, <laughs> I say, boy! It's not my bloody episode. That mother of yours is awful! <laughs> infamy! Infamy! They've all got it infamy! I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? Your Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, everybody. And Hi, welcome. Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello, everybody. Oh, wait, I thought I was in the second tour of Finland. Sorry, Drive Chef. This is Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast, a Two True Freaks presentation. I am Andrew Leyland, and I play Andrew Robinson on the show. I am joined by Paul Spataro, who plays Marka Lamo, J. David Wheater, who plays J.G. Hertzler, and also starring Bill Robinson as Jeffrey Coombs. Welcome to the show, oh, everybody. I wanted to be Jeffrey Coombs, so I could be J. Dave, J. David Wyoon. I thought I thought J.G., J. David, I thought that fitted better. Yeah. You can be Marta. But I can be Andrew Robinson, because my last name's already Robinson. You're not stressing very much as an actor. <laughs> Did you just whine, Andy? Yes! I know! I turned into Monica from... I'll play with... I'll play Courtney Cox. Oh, hey, well, that's going to make things... I think it was better when you said you would play with Courtney Cox. Well, I corrected myself because, you know... There's Angela. Well, (laughs) yes. I'll I'll be there for you. (laughs) When the rain starts to pour, I'll be there for you. Like I've been there before. Pivot! Pivot. (laughs) Pivot. We were on a break! There is a box at work in one of the little cubicles... And it's some type of, I, I don't know what, what it's for, but on the side of the box says Pivot. It's a brand name. And every time I go by, I go, I, I have to say it quietly because I want to scream it out in the middle of the office. Pivot! But I go, Pivot! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! See, I, every time I walk by it, I would probably just say, what's in the box? <laughs> Could we be any more 90s? I still like that show. <laughs> I love Friends. I think Friends is still very, very funny. Anya's watching them all at the minute, and uh, so is Adam. And I think it's great. It's pretty much on TV <laughs> over here nonstop, so it's easy to watch. 
It's all you don't even have to stream it. You just have to turn the TV on. It's all fun and games until Anya puts a giant turkey on top of her head. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone commando. Speaking you would think you would think we had a bad episode to do that with this. No, no, we, we, we and didn't. we do not. We do not. Speaking of going commando, well, segue. Eh? This is season six, episode one of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. A time to stand. A time of conflict. A time of desperation. A time of chaos. Prepare to return fire. A time to stand on the next Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And then there's loads of other stuff. Uh, it was directed by Alan Wait, Chris, do, we have any, do we have any news? No, no, I'm just telling them what it is and what to expect. I'm teasing the audience, Bill, you know, like a professional does. No. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, it was directed by Alan Kroika, written by Ira Stephen Burr and Hams Bimler. And we will talk more about A Time to Stand when Bill gives us this Star Trek news that he's so desperate to get off his chest. I'm sure it'll be worth waiting for. Well, I actually didn't have any news. No, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Bill just throws me under the runabout. Rio Grande or or the Ganges? I don't know. Good job. No, it's not really news per se. Uh, I just wanted to bring up that now that we're in season six, there is a there was a tie-in or a close to tie-in video game that ties into season six, even though it came out ooh like in the two thousands after this, pretty much after the series was over, uh, called Deep Space Nine: The Fallen. I think I'm the only one that's actually played it. Maybe we'll, uh, you guys can read up on it later. We'll talk about it on a future episode. But it kind of ties in or leads into some information about the Paw Wraiths. I'll just kind of tease that there, and you guys can look at it later in your leisure if you like. Didn't they fight Rob Space Knight? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, dire, dire Wraiths. Dire Wraiths. Not the Paw Wraiths. I mean, that's the Paw Wraiths. That's Dire Wraiths. That's, that's not very nice. Well, Rob fought the Dire Wraiths. What? No, not the Dire Straits. <laughs> bloody English. <laughs> uh, the entire world has said that about us. Uh, okay, if that's it for the news, A Time to Stand uh, has a veritable cornucopia of recurring guest stars. Brock Peters is back as Joseph Sisko. Andrew Robinson's back as Garrett. What? He's not Coon back as the back evil as admiral in uh, Star Trek Six. No, he's not returning to that mm-hmm. role, no. Nor is he reprising his role as the radio voice of Darth Vader. Mark Alemo... Now, a lot of people know that. Mark Alemo is back as Descartes. Aaron Eisenberg is Nog. J.G. Hertzler is Martok. Casey Biggs is Demar. Demar, sorry. And Barry Jenner's back as Admiral Ross. Speaking of friends, Admiral Ross Geller <laughs> makes an appearance. <laughs> the, look, I'm just waiting for Admiral Chandler to show up. Could I look any better in this uniform? I just see Ad- Admiral Ross saying to the Dominion, We were on a break! <laughs> Uh, the plot. Three months after the events of A Call to Arms, the Federation Klingon Alliance is badly losing the Dominion War. After hearing news that the Seventh Fleet was almost obliterated, Captain Benjamin Sisko and his command crew are assigned to pilot a captured Jem'Hadar attack ship into Dominion Cardassian territory and destroy a valuable stockpile of Ketracel White. This would kill many of the Dominion's Jem'Hadar foot soldiers. The Federation hopes that this strike will stem the tide of war. The crew encounters several setbacks. First, the navigational 
IP penises. What? Yeah, exactly right. First, the navigational eyepieces used on the Jem Hadar vessel induce headaches amongst humans who use them, including Captain Sisko. Garrick an eye penis, but that's beside that, 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 that would be very painful. Garrick notes that Guldacat was previously seen using such an eyepiece without apparent ill effects, and so volunteers to wear it and be the crew's eyes and ears in space. In the second incident, Cisco's ship is fired upon by the USS Centaur, which is unaware that Cisco's ship is staffed by fellow Federation officers. Both ships escape, but the danger is not yet over. The Starfleet officers are now deep behind enemy lines. They accomplish their mission, but the ship's warp engines are heavily damaged, and it will take them 17 years to get back to Federation territory at the speeds they can manage, if they even survive. Meanwhile, on Tarek Noir, Kira, Odo, Quark and Jake are just to living under the Dominion, but suffer hardships. Jake stayed to write about the occupation for the Federation news service, but Weyoun is withholding all of his articles, claiming they are biased against the Dominion, and will only broadcast his articles if he sees there is an open-mindedness. Odo no longer has his Bajoran security deputies. Kira recalls memories of living under the Cardassians. Quark, however, is making the most of it, and states that this occupation isn't nearly as bad as Cardassia's occupation of Bajor. Dukat boasts how well the war is going for the Dominion-Cardassian alliance, though he has failed in his attempts to dismantle the minefield. Friction begins forming between Dukat and Weyoun. Dukat is egotistically optimistic that they will conquer the Federation, whilst Weyoun knows they are vulnerable without reinforcement and resupply from the Gamma Quadrant. Kira convinces Odo to use his status as a founder to get what he wants. Genetically programmed to see him as a god, Weyoun instantly accepts Odo's request to reinstate his deputies. He's also offered a seat on the station's ruling council, giving him a voice in station policy. He accepts. And that synopsis was written in such a way to drain all of the drama out of the cliffhanger ending. Wait, wait. And Andy, could you read that last <laughs> sentence, that last short little par- paragraph again for Paul's benefit, please? Kira convinces Odo to use his status as a founder to get what he wants. Genetically programmed to see him as a god, Weyoun instantly accepts Odo's request to reinstate his deputies. Okay, so right off the bat, you're, you're, you're going to try and equate reinstating a deputy with a non-aggression pact with an entire planet. How quick did It's Weyoun the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. Uh, we, we don't have to go uh, any further. Do okay, we really need to re- keep debating the same thing over and over re- again, Dill? Reread that, but edit out the reinstate his de- deputies out of the end. Kavira, Kavira, Kira convinces Odo to use his status as a founder to get what he wants. He, 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 no, he, he clearly doesn't. Odo's request. He, he clearly doesn't, because what he wants is to get Kira to bed. <laughs> But Kira's not a not a Vorta, genetically programmed to see him as a god. That's I, I, there's a big difference. You, you now you now you're talking about a relatively minor policy on the station as opposed to a war strategy. Okay, okay. okay. If you don't see the difference, oh, I'm just I'm surprised you that it. you were in the military and I wasn't. Paul, just stop it, Paul. Did did Wayu not just outrank and pull rank on Gold Cat? Oh yeah. Okay. How do you think that's going to reflect on? Uh, policy with Bajor. I think Weyoun is following orders from the founders on the other side of the wormhole. And that's why I have a problem with that strategy that we debated endlessly last episode. And I continue to have that problem. I don't think he's taking orders from Guldacat. If he was taking orders from Guldacat, there wouldn't be a non-aggression pact at all. Well, no, my point is, if if Odo says, don't touch Bajor, Wayun seeing him as part of his deity, part of his pantheon of gods, however you want to look at it, as the founder, 
is going to override Goldacat. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with your your logic there, and then say, but Odo never said that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn it! Anyway, uh, uh, great, a uh, pretty great season opener. Um, watching it back to back like I did kind of does it a disservice because it isn't a two part story. So there's lots of little changes. I noticed, I think, the film stock must have changed mm-hmm. because the show doesn't look as bright. I don't know whether they've changed the lighting or whether it is the film stock or whatever. It's also noticeable that uh, Nana Visitor has lost far too much weight. Uh, if this aired in 97, this will have been the era of all the Friends girls lost too much weight and Ally McBeal, and she looks very, very skinny in this. And going from how healthy she looked after just having a baby... It was very noticeable when you watch it back to back. For the most part, though, this is every bit as good as the finale. I don't think we're spoiling it too much to say that this is probably going to get pretty high scores all around. All the characterization's great. I love how bone-weary Bashir seems to be. I was going to say, he's just Debbie Downer, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't even fashion Oh, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Your entire, your entire quadrant is being invaded. Okay, <laughs> but, but, I, I, but put on a happy face. <laughs> and he's, let's be honest, he is the only doctor they've got because he actually points that out, and he doesn't even bother doing his uniform up. Okay, and I don't need the walking computer to calculate the odds of survival for me. Look, three three PO, shut up. And yeah, are you supposed I, to be after ships? You know, you're supposed to be helping the crew. Aren't you supposed to like put on a happy face? And, uh, you know, make, you know, isn't that put, you know, do no harm? How about my psychological harm, moron? Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind. I don't like that they've turned him into Spock now did that you... everyone knows he's genetically engineered. You know, when you were in the Navy, did everybody dance around like Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Military works? That was it, man. You got, you got it pegged. Yep. Anchors away. <laughs> I don't think being happy was part of the job. I, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Morale is. No. The, the, there's a good bit again they balance the comedy and the drama the bit at the beginning where Warfrey unites with Jadzia and he, he wants to change something about the wedding and Jadzia's just horny as hell so she says yeah okay <laughs> that would work for me I would yeah, even bring go, it up go and, go and slide down his Klingon ridges Jadzia oh <laughs> you, you went there so what else do we have what do we have to talk about here let's see well, let's start with the fact that the 7th fleet came back with 14 ships out of what, 121? Yeah, quite a lot. 14. So clearly things are not going well. I mean, it's not its not going to be a happy mind state. And, and Cisco yeah. even says it later when he's talking to his dad. It's like, hey, uh, space is big. It just doesn't work that way that we can't share the space. It's yeah, that, that's actually a real good conversation with him and his dad. Yeah. That's, that's worth hitting on a little bit. Because, you know, he's got to explain to his father why he left Jake there. That's the biggest part of it. But then he's also got to explain to a civilian why this is why the war is going the way it is. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was, you know, it, it put him in a real bad spot on both ends of it, that he, he's trying to justify leaving Jake there uh, and trying to explain to his father why, why they're at war when there's really, like you say, endless space to, to be had. Uh, and I guess the Federation would, would be like, yeah, that's fine. You know, you, you just leave us alone and you can have, you know, whatever you want. You know, leave, just don't conquer people. Uh, but, you know, that's not how it works. That's, it's, that's, that's the difference between ideology and reality. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of a deep thought when you think about it. Yeah, that so would like, never happen in real life. But, but it's, you know, it's one thing to sit there 
<laughs> and I know what you mean, Bill. It's one thing to sit there and pontificate on this is the way things should be in a perfect world and to try and argue and fight about that. And it's another thing to say this is the way it is. How can I try and make it the way it should be in a perfect world? Totally different thing. And I, I think that's kind of effective to use that here in this episode. And at the same time have, oh, and by the way, I left your grandson uh, on a place occupied by the Cardassians. <laughs> Gotta go, Dad. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> It's not my fault. You, you also you also ha- have the the perspective which I, I kind of enjoy that that's uh, changed like from from Wayun and from the Cardassians' perspective. They're not occupying the station. It's a Cardassian station. The Federation was occupying it. Hey, well, it was created by it was created by the Cardassians. It was yeah, built by left. the Cardassians. I mean, you know, there's no take backsies. They left under force. That's, 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 no, they that's, didn't. They it, gave up. They weren't. The, the Cardassians didn't leave. Not originally. They didn't leave under force. Under pressure. They were I'm like sorry. under okay, under right. under political pressure. Yeah, not under right. uh, not under you know pressure of uh, not under not under the threat of war. It was political pressure that made them leave. So uh, basically, but, they but, but their perception or what they wanted, and were done with it. That was the other reason they left, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, from a political perspective, they said this station doesn't really give us any advantage. Even now. It doesn't advantage us anymore. We've got what we came to get out of it, so we might as well leave. And you know, we don't have to. And then the wormhole opened anymore. up, and they were like, "Oh, damn, we want that back." Crap. <laughs> Somebody, you know, but, did a but, whole, but from their perspective, and... you know, you, you look at it from their perspective, and they're saying the Federation was occupying their area. All they did was take it back, and that what Jake is trying to do is propaganda. And Jake is saying, no, what you're doing is propaganda. And real, the reality is probably somewhere in the middle that both sides are presenting their point of view and ignoring the other. Not that I'm siding with the Dominion. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but that's the way. That is, it, it's a good, uh, you know, just just a. a, a look at just the way things actually are and and you know when you start thinking about it that's what i love about these episodes when you start thinking about it and there's a message in there but you have to actually look to find it they're not hitting, hitting you over the head with it bonk 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 mm-hmm. i could mess up that star trek joke joke <laughs> no more bonk bonk <laughs> lovey dovey bonk bonk so one thing i like about this episode is how balanced it is with our main characters that with the exception of maybe jedzia no, she actually has. She's relevant in this one. Yeah, yeah, and, she's with Worf. Yeah, you have some of your main crew members. You know, of course, leaving the Defiant and going onto a different ship, and then you have uh, Kira and Odo on the station, and both stories get a pretty good balance. Even Jake has something to do in this one. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> even Jake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's not so much an A B plot in this one as there's A B C D E and F plots, yep. but they're all combined. And this is where I mean, it feels like this is getting. Um, not soap opera serialized, but a lot more serialized than last season. Like, intentionally, knowingly, in the presentation, it's serialized now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won't have I, that many. I don't think we have as many one and dones standalones this season that aren't tied to the main story. You know, well, the Dominion can... War goes on now till the end of the series, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as best as I can recall, this is kind of that stage in tv where they started with the plot lines that would run an entire season you know you had shows at this point i think like 24 starting up or not too far off from 24 starting up at least uh you know where where you'd have season-long story arcs and you know that was not something that you generally saw in television except for soap operas and things of that nature you know, you, you might have it on a show like Dynasty or, uh, you know, Beverly Hills 90, 90210, whatever, 
but you didn't generally see it on uh, you know on on just regular uh, TV series. Most of the TV series were just episodic. I'm trying to think which of is because they were like live action soap operas anyway, uh, live action primetime soap operas, weren't they? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're just end. We are it's 1997. You've just you've got Babylon Five going off the air, which doesn't get the credit it deserves for being one of the precursors of all this serialized TV that we now enjoy. Mm-hmm. Buffy's just started, which does become quite heavily serialized. But yeah, Alias and Twenty Four are a couple of years away yet. Mm. But they they capitalize on the idea, and X Files as well will start capitalizing on the serialization as well, won't it? Yeah, Hercules so it is, and it Cena is, were the ones I was trying to think of. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, did I was they, having a flashback. Did, did they do serialization on Hercules and Cena? Yeah, kind of. Not, right, yeah. not quite to the extent of Twenty Four Alias, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, you followed. Sir, I mean, yeah. Right. But it's interesting wondering... to see Deep Space Nine do it because they kind of were not, you know, they were episodic in the beginning and then they kind of changed to a more serialized nature as it went along. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Rick, interesting to Ira, see that, that transformation. Ira Burr was apparently, and, and Ron Moore were apparently always arguing for a little bit more serialization just because of the nature of the show. And Rick Berman was the one who's always fighting them off. And they exploited his being busy with Voyager to essentially do their own thing on Deep Space Nine where they got to the point where they had no choice but to be more serialized because of the stories they'd been telling. <laughs> now, depending on which accounts you read, Berman was either whatever, do what you want, or he wasn't happy about it. But at that point, there was nothing he could do. So it depends. I mean, I'm sure that the documentary will go into that, but apparently that they essentially sneaked it around the back door to get the show to be more serialized. And it's to Rick Berman's credit that he didn't come in all heavy-handed and make them change it back. It's uh, He may not have liked the idea, he may not have wanted them to do that, but when he saw what they were doing, he creatively let them do what they wanted. And I don't. I think Berman gets a, a lot of a bad rap in a lot of places, but the, the success that the show endured over the 90s, is a lot of it's down to him. Yeah, credit where it's due, that's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that he had some of the best instincts always with regards to say Voyager where he never followed through on that show's promise, but he he was creatively hands off if he knew that the people he had given the job to could do the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to this episode. I do love the I, I did wonder why they'd set it 3 months later other than obviously the in real life there was a 3 month gap because that seems to be an awful long time for Ducat to be putting off getting rid of the the mines, but he is obviously and I only realized this when I was rewatching it. He doesn't want the Jem'Hadar to be at full strength, does he? Mm-mm. He's utilizing the Ketracel White situation to his own ends. Really? Oh, I didn't think of that. Yep. That was my reading of the scene between him and Wayoon, where Wayoon's basically giving him a bollocking for not having cleared out the minds of the wormhole. Now, there's probably some truth to the idea that it's not as easy as Ducat thought it was. But when he he goes around the table to sit down at Cisco's desk and says, it's all under control. My reading of that was, no, he doesn't want them to have the Ketracel White. He's got what he wants now. Cardassia's back in a position of power. If they lose the white, he can take control of the Dominion. I didn't really think of that either, but that makes a lot of sense. So I, I will not argue this point with you. <laughs> I like seeing Dear Space Station Regular 1 again, albeit with the bottom cut off. Yes. Though it's the third time they've used that model. 
Oh, they yeah. flipped it. They flipped it over. Yeah, they flipped it. Was it. A Starbase. Yeah, it was in. It was in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It was in Star Trek Two. It was. It's Measure of a Man as well, isn't it? It's the Starbase that goes with Measure of a Man. Is regular one, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't turn it into a probe that became sentient. To <laughs> <laughs> see stuff like that never bothers me because it makes sense that they'd use the same design. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? Every yeah, space station you? doesn't have to be different. Hmm. The layout of the the space station—they've got something that works. Why wouldn't they just reuse it? It makes perfect sense, and it's cheaper to reuse a model. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's really the true bottom line on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but uh, I was reading something as well about why you never saw Constitution class starships in ninety Star Trek, given that they've established that Reliant was still Reliant class was still being used seventy years later, and apparently they, they knew everyone would just look at that and go Enterprise, but they use Galaxy class starships in Deep Space Nine all the time. Well, they use a Reliant class. Well, they renamed it the Miranda class. Actually. All right. Mm-hmm. But, Still the yeah, reliance, that's, though, sorry, that's nitpicky. My bad. No, no. That's why we're here, Bill. Oh, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're aboard her. Risk is our business. Gentlemen, you okay, Andy? You having some type of fit? Uh, oh, sorry. No, I was... <laughs> I know. Pointing to... Anybody, anybody have a book to put in his mouth to keep him from biting his tongue <laughs> off? <laughs> I, okay, stop. See, you're Cisco, bro. I get to be Kirk, so I am inherently cooler. Whoa! Wow, a Cisco and Kirk battle off. That would actually. Be real. I, I think Cisco and Cisco and Kirk would get on much better than Cisco than uh, Picard and Kirk. Oh like, yeah, but okay. no, like if, if Cisco and Kirk should have a dance off. <laughs> but uh, but if it was uh, Cisco and Kirk arguing, it'd sound like two Chihuahuas. Like, <laughs> be the captain of this space station, Ben. Don't tell Whoosh. me what to do. I don't, tell you yes. you know, I don't want to hear. I, I, I submit that your dislike is illogical. I would just talk in between your pauses. <laughs> <laughs> you can have entire sentences in between the pauses. <laughs> uh, it was nice to see Joe Joe again. Joe Cisco again. His uh, dislike that he's left Jake on the space station was well handled. I love the line. Well, I taught you to be a chef and look where that got me. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was genuinely amusing. I actually like the whole plan in this episode that they're going behind the scenes to destroy the Ketracel White Factory. Yeah, and they have to dodge one of their own ships and not give themselves away. Interestingly, I don't know if you've ever read these, Bill, because you seem to be more the novel reader than anyone else, but there is is it a four-book series based in this time period? The two Deep Space Nine books are adaptations of the episodes. Yeah, the I read them a long time books. ago. The next gen ago. books are new, aren't they? They're new stories. Yeah, I I, I read them way back <laughs> when this was when this was when they originally released, but I don't really remember them fully. Bill, because one of one of the yeah. things they apparently do. Go on, yes, Paul. Has, has anyone ever said that you seemed more bookish than everybody else before? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's it's one of the things up. they apparently do is they give more space to the crew of the starship that follows them. Mm into thinking of space. What's the name of that ship? I forgot the, the name of the ship. The Centaur. And apparently the Centaur gets killed, gets blown up Doesn't oh, in the oh. novel. Yeah, they destroy it in the novel. Uh, apparently they really flesh out the captain and the crew of the Centaur and then destroy the ship because the author felt there should be some casualties. And he, he couldn't kill off the... Uh, oh, she, I think it was Diane Curry. They couldn't kill off any of the regular characters. So she built up the Centaur crew to, to kill them at the end. That's kind of mean. I like. I love uh, Jacob Wayun's conversation about fake news. <laughs> yeah, well, let's start you know, the whole uh, propaganda conversation. I thought it was terrific. 
Why? Why does he have to send his reports through Weyoun? Well, I guess they, they must be they must be uh, watching all outgoing transmissions. Right. So there's no surreptitious way you can send those reports off, like with Quark or something. I'm sure yeah. there is, but is it worth taking that risk? The heat. Is somebody going to risk their life for that? Because it might be penalized with the death penalty. Right. You know, nobody's reading your reports anyway, Jake. <laughs> Don't be mean. Uh, it's a nice piece of continuity that the Jem'Hadar ship that they have was the one that they caught uh, midway through last season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, so again the continuity bits coming through. Um, and for the most part, I like this one a lot. I didn't think it was as interesting as the last episode of the season finale. Like this one is very much more where all our characters have been and what they've been doing for three months, and then establishing where we're going to go from here. Yeah, it, that- it did seem like there was some setup going on, but it was not. It didn't feel disappointing that way. There was never a point watching it where you feel like, oh, you know, this this is just set up and I'm really not that interested. It was still kind of it's moving really good forward. It's own right. Yeah, it was moving forward yeah. with the story. It just wasn't it wasn't creating new mythology, really. No, we're basically taking what we've we've established in the finale and then right, this is where we're going to go with it. And there's lots of again, we're at the point in the show now I think where everyone's just really comfortable what they're doing and i always like the interactions between different members of the crew so nog working with o'brien is quite interesting it's nice to see how much of an officer nog is becoming Mm -hmm. i I like seeing cisco working with bashir uh bashir's complaints that there is no there is no doctor's surgery on this ship no (laughs) you'd be up the creek man all right i just found out i fell down a quick rabbit hole about the uss centaur all right Okay, so it, Diane Dwayne, uh, Diane Carey, who wrote the novels, originally intended for the ship to be destroyed and the crew to be lost, but apparently the, the captain, Charlie Reynolds, appears in a later novel, uh, Articles of the Federation, as a major character. So it's ambiguous as to if it, it, it looks like it was destroyed, but at least Charlie Reynolds survived. That's as far down the rabbit hole as I went. So that's all I got. Is he in any relation to Malcolm Reynolds? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but he was a friend of Cisco's, as Cisco mentions in the thing that Charlie tended to swing for the fences. What, is, what does that mean? Tell me what that means. That's like a baseball term that you would go for. It. It's in, in baseball, you could, you, if you're up at bat, you could just try and get a hit, or you which you're sp- more likely to do, or you could be trying to hit a home run, which is less likely, but more of a, you know, it's like if the game is on the line, you, there may be a time where you say, I'm going to swing for the fences because. If I get a home run, we win. If right. I get a hit, we may die in this so you, case. You yes, you, you, you're willing to take more chances than for, to go for it all. Mm. Oh, okay. And that's teaching the English on this episode. On baseball. baseball. On Spaceball. Spaceball of Deep Space Nine. It's been a while since we had a Spaceball episode. Well, they had a strike because uh, the Hordas uh, were going through their thousand-year birthing thing. So a lot of the teams, because they're the star are players. Not, are you not mixing them up with the Matlins from the Orville? <laughs> Uh no 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 Hortus lay eggs those are those little silver nodules in all the, the on the oh you know. yes uh, sorry uh, yeah the yeah yeah, yeah. Go, yeah you know yeah, the yeah, little devils making holes all over the place the chamber of the age is the pain oh sorry I suddenly became Doctor Smith instead of Mister Spock yeah oh uh, the, the pain best. the Hortus oh. the pain will the pain. I'm not dead thing you at all. I'm not being left alone with this young boy by my parents who don't seem to care. 
here, go along and play with the stranger who stole away on the spaceship who is actually <laughs> trying to kill us. But uh, we'll forget what happened in the initial pot plot. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, the best scene in this episode, though, is the middle bit with Kira and Ducat. Was she petting Ducat? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Ducat was being smarmy and horrible, and it was beautiful. Yeah, because I, I, I love... The, the, I, we all adore Nana Visitor anyway. She started dying of her red again, mm-hmm. you'll notice. But the way she just plays it with him, she is just like, you know, if I had the had the ability, I would just stand on you like the bug you are. <laughs> it's in every line of dialogue. It's in every facial expression that she absolutely cannot stand this slimy little oink. I'm going to get one of them eyepieces for Alvin. What? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get one for my car. So I just sit back and I look, you know, I don't have to look through the windshield anymore. My oh, only little... complaint about the, the scene with, with Kira is Ducat suddenly got a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> he asked, he, he, did you not? Did you not up front, party in the back. He <laughs> just saw the resurrection of Superman. <laughs> That's not a mullet. Some some will say it isn't. Ducat's got a mullet. I'm telling you now. Yeah, I'm looking Ducat at has it a mullet. now. Yeah. Guy's got a mullet. And I'm wondering, did that come back in in the three months that we've been away? He let his hair down. I don't know. Yeah, in the future. It, the mullets are cool in the future. They're just not Starfleet regulation. That's that's my no prize. There you go. You are welcome. Yeah, I, I will buy that no prize. But would they... Would, would, well, would so you a, see everybody on the ship walking in in a mullet. Would it be a do-mullet? Uh, call it? What so, would we call it's it? It's called the ranchero. <laughs> Gold ranchero. Shorty long back, velvet waterfall. <laughs> he just needs to grow him a... A mustache. Like a handlebar mustache. You know, no, I don't think there is. Cardassians don't have facial hair, do they? No. No, it, would, it wouldn't look good with the makeup. Yeah. Hmm. Probably look as good as Bordis on uh, Orville. Have you he, guys seen he, the one? He, he rocked that mustache, man. I'm he sorry, did. just uh, the playing on, on Netflix, it's just the scene where Ducat puts his hand on Kira's cheek and she almost snaps his arm off. <laughs> Oh God, I love Kira. Well, for Kira, I mean, this is this is putting her back where she was when before we met her, Ugh, in a, in a yeah. position yeah. where she has no power and no ability, no agency to push back on what's going on. Well, even worse because she can't really. She was a she was a resistance fighter. Now she has to sit there and just basically suck up and and really just ugh, deal with. But don't you think that the Dominion and Cardassians should be a little bit more suspicious of what she's doing. They don't really seem to be watching her that closely. She's having all these conversations with Odo about, you know, about what what resistance level they're going to have at different points and things. Wouldn't you think they'd be kind of watching her very closely and spying on her and kind of making sure that she can't do anything to aid the Federation? I think they should certainly be questioning her motivations. You would think so. Yeah, but I also think they think she's one person. What can she do? It's arrogance. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I think that's the best answer for it, that it's arrogance. Because mm-hmm. if you try to say that they reasoned it out and, and came to the conclusion that they didn't have to, I think that would be silly. But to say they're just so arrogant that they don't think she could harm them, that makes more sense. But I still think Dukat should be like... He should have a level of respect for her and her abilities that oh, I think is getting thinks, ignored. No, because his hubris, he's, he thinks he's so suave and cool that he is just going to basically wear her down and win her over and make her his. That's what he thinks. That's and he's got a tremendous level of arrogance, too. Yes, Don't get me wrong. I'm not, it's not that I'm not seeing no, that. I mean, that's, that's but I, but I think he's a good enough commander, leader, strategian, that he should see the risks 
of giving her too much freedom. But he's blinded by the fact that he thinks he's going to win her over, and he and he wants her. And that he doesn't. I don't think he cares, or he thinks it's not going to matter. Or like you guys said earlier, what can she do? She's only one person. Yeah, and I could see I could see the Vorda making that mistake, but I would think Goldicott would know her too well to make that mistake. Maybe Even with Cap's keep your enemy close, keep your enemies closer. Oh, and he they, wants her close. There, there should sure. be something there where he's behind the scenes, you know, like up close says, trying to win her over to and his, behind the scenes undermining her. Yes, you mean where he says to his uh, his goth Cardassian do-boy Damar, <laughs> you know, it's, oh, oh, I I know she's plotting against me, Damar, and, and, and he's like, yo, yes, yes, oh, you're so right, oh, yes, I love you. Wait, did I say that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what we should have. Oh, my gosh. Golda Cat is, is Mr. Burns, and, and that guy is Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't unsee it now. Like I just picture Mr. Burns in that animated form, but with Cardassian makeup. Yes, yes, it's good. Yes, Dumar. Yes, good. Release the hounds. Bring, bring me Major Kira. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, Goldicott. So, uh, just kind of mention enemies close and friends close and enemies closer. Quark kind of has that mentality. He's like, yeah, I can't deny this is good for business. I'm making a profit. But let's be honest, it could be worse. Yeah, that's that's a great scene when he has has to explain to them why it could be worse. Yeah. Do you hear mm-hmm. anybody wailing because they've been working in the mines all day? No, you don't. It could be. I mean, this is a not a it's not a peaceful transition of power by any means. But it was if if Cisco had stayed in the Federation had stayed, this would have been a massacre, and it would have escalated to another level. Cisco departing really opened this up, so there could be at least some sort of tense but relatively harmless, you know, occupation, even though it's not being called that. Well, I guess that's at this point they've concluded that they're not giving up much in the way of uh, you know a strategic point by letting them have the station temporarily. Mm-hmm. Especially after destroying the computers. Well, yeah, they couldn't allow them to have access to their uh, you know all their databases. I understand that the Deep Space Nine computers had some spyware in it anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they did. Oh man, that's right. what's on my computer. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Odo was going to sites he shouldn't. <laughs> Never mind. I got another one of those e- emails, but I didn't even open it. I just deleted it. I'm like, I'm going to ignore you because I know you're a scam. At least I hope you are. I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> like, But that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so this opened with uh, a little dedication in memory of Brandon Tarkov. Mm-hmm. Did you see that on your 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 Netflix no, version, Andy? I didn't see that on my Netflix version, no. It was on my DVD hmm. version. He was the head of NBC who was part of getting Deep Space Nine off the ground. He's not been suspect of subject to any investigations, as he? Which was no. why he wouldn't be on the Netflix version. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> right, okay. I think Netflix just omitted it for some reason. Yeah, which I, I had forgot this. I only saw that off of... Now, we had a dedication, at least, I don't know if it was earlier, it was in last season, or coming up in this season, to a like a stuntman slash coordinator cast, or um, maybe that's this season later on. So I actually don't remember seeing this on Netflix either, but yeah, I just saw it here on on Memory Alpha. That's why I was asking, because I know you watch it on a different thing, Dave. Yeah. So Paul, was it on your Netflix? You know, I'm not sure. I think it was, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you absolutely that it was at this point. I, I, I wasn't paying attention to that. Ah. 
So, sorry. Yeah, just saying that it was Tartakov's idea to do a stationary show as opposed to one on a starship. So that's kind of a big component to Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, was one, it was one that they started with and then eventually said, well, we got to give a little bit more mobility. How about we get the Defiance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really kind of when the show really seemed to find its legs. Yeah, because, and I think we brought that up before, now they could go somewhere instead of only being... <laughs> A bottle on, on the station, or hey, can we borrow your ship? <laughs> Thumb and a ride. So, have we talked about? We haven't talked about the uh, cliffhanger. The words "to be continued" did not come up on the screen at the end of this episode. Nope, no, they didn't. So it's, it is being treated as an episode in its own right, and that they're just stuck somewhere. Yep, and this is another one where, kind of like in by Inferno's light, where it gets to the end, and you're just like, oh shit, <laughs> I gotta wait another two weeks for this. <laughs> yep. What man? And it was it was it was a it didn't feel contrived, I guess is the best way to phrase it. It felt like naturally stemming off of the episode itself. It wasn't like we've got to work ourselves right up to a point and then we're gonna just entice you to come back. No. This felt natural. But at this point it feels like this is the way of the show. That it's now it's starting to feel more epi- more uh like it's a continuing storyline and you're kind of expecting every episode's gonna end with that feeling. Mm-hmm. That you're not you know, you're not gonna have the single episodes very much at all anymore and i'm good with that yeah did it want me keep me wanting to come back for more absolutely it did did i feel satisfied with this episode yes i did yeah well you're giving away your rating already no (laughs) just said i'm satisfied i guess should we rate it are we you've told me everything (laughs) no the only thing i when we get to the end why what what was it that twigged to the the gem hadar that there was something wrong here that they kept them in the shields. Did I miss something? They didn't say it, but I assume they had some sort of bioscan that said these aren't Jem Hadar on this ship. Or, you know what, they were probably investigating the canister with the bomb on it. That's why it went off early. Right. Well, maybe they just didn't, you know, they didn't have the proper clearance or whatever, and they said, hey, what, what's up with that ship? Yeah. Clearance, clearance, clearance. <laughs> what's your vector, Victor? Roger. <laughs> so Over was under Unger, but Unger was underdone. Anyway. Who's on first? <laughs> what is the name of the guy on second? I don't know. What's on Third second? Base. Didn't we do that? Uh, that? Yeah, that was. Yeah, we've done that gag before. Yeah, that was that was my only thing with this issue. I, this issue, this episode, I didn't understand, so I thought maybe I'd miss something as to why they encased them in the force field because I thought it was twigging them that they'd picked picked up that this wasn't a real gem had our shit, but it didn't. They don't actually tell you why they did that, do they? No, and I think that right, made, okay. I think the tension got raised a little bit by that. Yeah, because they don't know what's going on either. Exactly. I don't think they needed to tell you why they were under suspicion, because we were seeing it from their point of view. We really weren't seeing the other side. You're never going to know. I mean, it's just as fine as we didn't know. It it, it really didn't matter. It was more tension that we don't need to see them going, oh, there's something suspicious about this ship. We need to put it. No, just suddenly, oh, shoot, we can't leave. Yeah, there they, was, there was they no, figured it, something out. That's we've done all these calculations. There was, there was no, it's it's an older code, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> out. There was none of that, so there was <laughs> no need for it. Really, yeah. And then we didn't have Uhura do, speaking very poor Klingon. Echu <laughs> Barada Nikto. What? <laughs> I know that's not Klingon. I just couldn't think of any other words. Kapla. Klatu, Kapla, Barada Nikto? What? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, I like the cliffhanger to this one as well. I thought the cliffhanger to this one was really cool. Yeah. Because they're not in imminent danger, but they're in a position. The mirrors, Voyagers. 
Well, I was just going to say, do you think, do you think <laughs> that was a nod to Voyager or a piss take of Voyager? Yes. I think it was a nod. I don't think could, it was a piss take. Could, I don't you think... say, could you say they were lost in space? I don't think they were in a piss on each other mode. I think they were probably too sensitive to getting pissed on themselves to, you know, by whoever to, to do that. Just my thoughts. Hmm. Hey, look, as somebody who can say somebody has pissed on him. Oh, wait, but that's another story for another time. I think it was meant to be like a winking, hey, look what we're doing, just like you. Because we love you and your stinky show that makes us look better by comparison. Too mean. So we rating this because we seem to have a lot of silences here, guys. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, this. It's really good, but I didn't think there was much, as much to it as there was to the finale. Uh, but it's still a five. See, I'm going to be that guy again. I went with four point five because I think it was it was okay, top notch. It just wasn't. It, it may have been because I just finished the season finale when I watched this as well. Yeah, I watched it back to back as well, and I agree with you entirely that I think it suffers a little bit because of doing that. Yeah, I, I it really enjoyed it, but it didn't quite engage me to the level of the last one. Uh, it was a good, solid episode, but I didn't feel like it rose above. So I'm going I'm to go with 4.5 as well. Yeah, 4.5 headache-inducing headsets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that my cat wears to plot my downfall. Uh, yeah, it was it was on the heels of the... Yeah, because I watched this straight away. I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to wait. Screw that. And um, it's, I didn't realize that this was... I guess this is the first time we see... Admiral Ross. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that as well, but yeah, but I'm I'm getting confused. He will become a recurring character. Oh, yeah, he'll yeah. be on and off until the last, you know. I believe he, didn't we do some news? He passed away recently, too? Did he? Oh, that's a shame. I, I, think I, so. didn't, I did not know that. Yeah, hold on a second. I'll, well, anyway, I'll... Uh... Well, you know, while you look that up, I'll read yes. it from Blaine. Any song? Wait, yeah. Well, go ahead, Dave. You had a song? No. I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. A song. Um, a song. Song, song, song. Blaine. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do sing, sing a song, sing it happy. Blaine, what does he say? Let's hear what he says. It doesn't matter if it's happy or sad. Blaine's always here and we're glad. Okay, pull that out. <laughs> that was actually much better than I thought you were leading up to, so we're good. Blaine says, Hi, guys. After watching a season of Voyager, it's good to be back. Although the difference doesn't feel quite so extreme this time around, Voyager's fifth season was easily better than one through four, but that's a topic for another podcast. Here we are two months later. I think it was three months later, but whatever. And things have had a chance to settle down. The Federation is in rough shape. Ducat and Kira are at odds, and we get some perspective from Quark. Joseph Sisko is completely engaging despite his small role. We're also seeing the effect of Bashir's genetic engineering showing through, which changes the dynamic a bit. As Garrick said, his smile isn't so boyish anymore. This also gives us something we're going to see a lot more of from a production standpoint. The powers that be didn't want to be continued at the end of each episode, so they just didn't put it there. Really, there's no way that the next episode can't start where this one ends, but the words themselves aren't up there. Spoilers for first-time viewers, this trend will be much more pronounced in the future. The series ends... The series ends is what practically... With, I guess, 
with practically, oh, the series ends is what is practically a 10-part episode. I expect better writing from Blaine. Quick science lesson. A geodesic, which Dax mentions at the end when calculating the time to fly home at impulse, is the straightest possible path connecting two points in a curved space-time. For example, on the surface of Earth, lines of longitude and geodesics. If you want me to record a supplemental episode, which is nothing but a lesson in non-Euclidean geometry, let me know. Good stuff ahead. Can't wait to dig in. Uh, by all means, Blaine, you can do that, but just put it on your feed. What? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, as long as I get to Wait a minute. To why it. would you have to have a geodesic if you're in space? Can't you fly in a straight line unless space is curved? Space is curved. That's what I think they're saying. That's yeah, those hmm. literally what he said. And actually, but you know, I, I find... Is space really curved, though? How do we know? How do we know the Earth is I curved? Hmm? Huh? Well, yeah, we know the Earth is curved. Don't be stupid. How do we know? <laughs> I'm serious. How do we know? We know it because science has shown us that. You can tell when you go out to sea because you look on the horizon and things are small and get bigger as you get closer to them. But if you don't have a frame of <laughs> That reference. means it's curved? <laughs> yes. Especially a fixed point. It comes up higher. That's called perspective. That doesn't mean it's curved. All right, flat earther. No, I am not a flat earther, but but I, I just think, you know, you you can't see with the naked eye that the Earth is curved. You have to accept it as, as fact based on the science that's developed over the years. So I will accept Blaine, who is, I will say, smarter than I, uh, that he says space is curved. Okay, <laughs> I'll accept yeah. it. I got no problem with it. Well, Jakar feels that space and time are curved as well. So if both of both science fiction shows set on space stations at the same time both think the same thing, I'll go with them. Does Shukar think it's curved? No, he's a different guy. Jakar. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a type of uh, cologne. I thought that was a kind of cologne, Jakar. (coughs) No, that's Drakar. Okay. Drakar Noir. I used to wear that all the time. (laughs) The women loved it. Did you? Yes, I I loved it. You smell very nice. Yeah. That was back back when Bill was in his uh, Miami Vice days. Exactly. I used to have that and Polo. Uh, I think that was the two the two big ones, Dracar and Polo. I didn't wear the Calvin Klein obsession for men. Ugh, I hated that. I love that everybody listening to this is learning about your cologne preferences in the, in the <laughs> late eighties, early nineties. That was me, man. Yeah. This is, welcome to another episode of Smell Bill's Cologne. <laughs> Or if we misspell it, if we misspell it, we're we, we should have we should have a podcast for each of the senses. We'll have listen to the prophets, smell Bill's cologne, touch something you shouldn't. Hey. <laughs> Let's click on something you shouldn't. Oh, sorry. You know, I think I knew space was curved. I think I was just being yeah. Well, but but ah, oh, never mind. My head hurts. What's the matter, Bill? I was just seeing that Dave put up a link. Like he's jabbing <laughs> me. Look, Bill, space is curved. Shut up, Dave. I put up the Fallen video game for anyone who wants to read that. It's basically the plot for uh, for for next time. For well, later. probably wait till we're done recording. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. no everybody, right listen, everybody, listen as we as we <laughs> as we read this. Are we doing any e- other emails or? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so this one could so, be read. Go ahead, Bill. What? I thought it was Andy's job. Who's whining now? <laughs> you, Bill. You. I, I, I did the synopsis, mate. It's just all on you, this. I did the synopsis. It's only you. I did the synopsis. We started with Andy whining. There's no reason not to continue. <laughs> I swear, next time, I, next time I see you, Andy, I'm going to give you such a pinch. What? I don't know. That's, You're doing what? You just fed jo- nothing. Joe, that's Joe, Joe Ben as Stinky on the Abbott and Costello show. Okay. Thank you. Somebody got it. Give you such a pinch. 
All right. Our email today is a faith to stand from uh, a time to stand. God, a faith to stand from Time Gilliam. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Faith. A time to stand from Faith. Hello, Niners. This episode opened so well. I love that they took the ending shot from last episode and turned it on its head. The last episode, the last episode slash season ended with such rousing beats with the Defiant joining the fleet. To open with a bedraggled and torn asunder fleet for this shot is such a great choice in my opinion. Re- really sets the tone and adds gravitas to this, to the new season. There's a, there's a lot that happens this episode, but I don't want to take up too much time. Ah, why not? We did. Great character moments between all the cast, overall great lines, and good shots. I'm always uncomfortable whenever Kira and Dukat are alone in a room together. It makes me very grateful that the show isn't Game of Thrones because all of those scenes would play would likely go very different if this were a grittier show. Yeah, that is kind of a... Uh, yeah. Admiral Ross, which I do have an update on Admiral Ross... <clears throat> oh, I'll read after this. Admiral Ross is pretty great, although his only other co- competition is possibly Admiral Necheyev. No other admirals are recurring characters more than two episodes, as I recall. Uh... That's normally because admirals on Star Trek are always <laughs> batshit crazy. Yeah. Well, the only one I can think that did last possibly two episodes was the one in Best of Both Worlds that died at Wolf 359. Didn't he die there? Oh, uh, Admiral Hansen. Yes. Yeah, I think he was on for at least two episodes. Right. Um, but that was another show. I mean, was Admiral Nechev on this show? I don't recall Nechev being on Deep Space Nine. I'm sh- she's in The Next Generation. I'm yeah. thinking she's in Voyager. I could be wrong about mm-hmm. that. Uh, he is an admiral that isn't a complete jerk, which is, is rare in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, more on him in later episodes. I could go on further with all the great moments, but I will leave the details to you. Overall, this set of six episodes is probably my favorite throughout the series. Can't wait to hear your observations, Faith. Yay, thank you, Faith. Admiral well, Ross went off to chase the Hulk, didn't he? <laughs> no, that was, that was General Ross. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, Barry Jenner, um, who played Admiral Ross, and we're a little late on this, uh, he died in uh, on August 9th, 2016. Aww. So, like, two and a half years late on that. Um, longer. His death was confirmed. Put in the release schedule. <laughs> oh, yes, even longer. So, yeah, but maybe actually three years by the time this is aired. His death was confirmed by on Twitter by Armin Shimmerman. He died of acute myeloidal leukemia. Myeloid? Myeloidal? In Los Angeles. So we're sorry that Admiral Ross, Barry Jenner, is no longer with it with us. Yeah. Yeah. Pour, a, pour some Mountain Dew out for Admiral Ross. Oh, well, you got to clean that up, though. It gets sticky. And that's how we get ants. So. Oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> do we uh, Do we have any other email? Uh, Not no, to read at the moment. No, the other ones are about future episodes, so we cannot read them. Well, I guess that's when we ask Andy, what's happening next time? Next time, an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets. Cisco and the crew crash land on a planet where they encounter a band of Jem'Hadar. The Federation at war. The Jem'Hadar ships are entering weapons range. Hold on. The crew marooned. There are ten Jem'Hadar soldiers on this planet. You can either kill them or they'll kill you. The fuse is burning. We will hold this world for the Dominion until we die. And something has to explode. They'll kill everyone they can. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Rocks and shows. Died to see, you know, like they're kind of <laughs> The band, Jim and <laughs> just made bad Beatles covers. <laughs> or like they're a punk rock group, you know. 
Ketracel White. Ketracel White. We're addicted to Ketracel White. Oh, it sounds like a Joy Division song. <laughs> Anarchy in a Dominion. War will tear us apart again. What are they, the Smiths? No, that's Joy Division. Oh, they could be like, you know, an- Anarchy in the Dominion. And I, States, bro, you know, much better than Anarchy in the Alpha Quadrant. Something like that. Well, that happened. All righty okay. then. Bye, everybody. See you all next time. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. So I'll call you, and then you know you'll answer and, and answer like with an attitude, like what? Oh, so you so you ju- you just want to wing it? Like, yeah. Like, just, oh, okay. So so we don't have a script. We're just gonna just. Yeah, well, I'm, okay. his, I'm I'm giving it to you now. I'm, you know, you can you can uh, <laughs> I, I, you can change I can it however ad-lib. you see fit. Okay. Yeah, you can ad lib however you see fit. But what I'm thinking is, I call you, you you answer with an attitude. I said, Bill, we're, I, we're recording I tonight. I have an idea of what I want want to do, and I don't want to tell you what it is. Okay, then let's just do try- it. We'll just wing it. Oh, well, see, but now Andy and Dave won't. Well, I guess I'll have to wait till the episode comes out.